been talking with Robert Kiyosaki. He's an American businessman, investor, self-help author, motivational speaker, financial commentator, and has his own podcast. He's most well known for his series of Rich Dad, Poor Dad books, which sold over 25 million copies worldwide. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Michal. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. I'm excited to talk to you in Cork. Like I was saying to you earlier, I always wanted to go there, but never made it to Cork. You might come here sometime soon, maybe. I would love to. I would love to. I love Ireland. You know, love Ireland. It's a beautiful place. The time I spent in Dublin was the best, you know. Tell me, Robert's story of how your wife kept rejecting you and you didn't take no for an answer. <laughs> well, if you've seen pictures of my wife, she's uh, very beautiful. And my friends call us the beauty and the beast. And when I was when I was finding out about her, my friends, I said, I'm a rugby player, and my friends on the rugby team says, why would she ever go out with you? And it was because they said she would never go out with me, and I would lose face with my rugby team. I applied the business practice of you have to ask at least six times and in three different ways. That's the rule if you want to be a good salesman. So you ask six times, but you ask in three different ways. So I sent flowers one time, and I sent you know, postcards, and I, just, I was just added variety to it. And it was just kind of a challenge for my goofy rugby friends. And when she said yes, I couldn't believe it. And it turned out to be the best thing I've ever done in my whole life because She's more beautiful on the inside than the outside, and I feel myself a very blessed man. And if you could go back in time, Robert, would you try and change your poor dad, and if so, what would you do? Well, this may sound a strange answer. I am trying, still trying to save him or change him, although he's passed on, you know, 25 years ago. And it really, so what I attempt to do subconsciously or consciously is end poverty in the world because my poor dad was a very smart man but financially very poor and so I work hard today to teach others not to be like my dad you know he, he was a PhD but he knew nothing about money and our family struggled I remember waking up at night, you know, as a little boy, seeing my mom crying because she couldn't pay the bills. And I often wondered why, my, so I asked my dad, I said, you know, Dad, how come we don't have money? And he says, I'm a college professor. I'm not interested in money. But I said, Dad, Mom's crying all the time. We're broke. And he didn't do anything. So I know all over the world there's families that money may not be the most important thing, but money is a biggest cause of divorce, money is the most biggest reasons people fight, you know, money affects your health care, your education, your security, uh, affects a lot of things. So that's why all I'm attempting to do is still trying to save the people of the world who have my poor dad's attitude that I'm not interested in money, I'm a college professor. Can you tell us how your military career helped you in business, Robert? Uh, number one word was discipline. I was a surfer in Hawaii, you know, very undisciplined. So I knew I was in trouble, and that's why I went to, I volunteered for military school, very fortunate. 
And then I went to the Vietnam as a Marine Corps pilot. And uh, I learned a lot about self-discipline, about overcoming. You know, the biggest struggle all of us have is the battle between ourselves. You know, I say I want to do something, but I don't. Like, I'm going to go exercise, but I don't exercise. I'm going to stop drinking, but I don't stop drinking. I'm going to eat less, but I don't eat less. So discipline is the ability to do what we need to do, but we don't want to do. And can you talk about the 90-10 rule? Like, for example, 10% of the actors make 90% of the money, and it's the same for sports stars and other fields. Why do you think this is? Well, and this 80-20 rule and the 90-10 rule is a rule for money. So let's say in the world of golf, you have Rory McIlroy. <laughs> he's, he's taken it all. <laughs> so that means that 10% of the golfers win 90% of the money, and 90% of the golfers win only 10% of the money. But that is true in all fields. You know, that's, that's true in, like in education. I make millions and millions of dollars as a teacher, but most teachers only make, 90% of the teachers make only 10% of the money. So it's called the 9 to 10 rule of money. What gives you the most joy in your work, Robert? What gives me the most joy in the world is uh, simplifying very complex financial uh, concepts. Like Rich Dad Poor Dad was a very hard book to write because it was, you know, it's basically a book on accounting, assets versus liabilities, income versus expenses. But to make it interesting and simple enough that 25 million people in the world want to read it was very, very difficult. So when I crack it, I said, oh, now it's simple, then I get happy. As Einstein said, simplicity is genius. Unfortunately, in school, teachers take what's simple and make it complex. In other words, they take one plus three and turn it into calculus. So schools make the simple complex, and what entrepreneurs do is they make the complex simple. So the more simple you can make something in business, the more money you make. For example, Steve Jobs you know, made the iPhone very complex subject, simple for everybody to use. And one of the reasons teachers are not that rich is they take comp they take simple and make it complex. And that's that's um, my lesson. What has been the biggest regret of your life to date? Well, I, I would say that's a very important question because um, when people say, how do you get lucky? Well, you turn bad luck into good luck. So one of the big mistakes I think school makes is that they punish you for making mistakes. So if you say one plus two is five, teacher punishes you, then you feel stupid, and you regret the mistake. Well, when you make a mistake, you're supposed to learn from it. When you learn from it, you get happy again. So when, when people have regret, it's very simple, something they've done or a mistake they've made that they've not yet learned the lesson from. So I make it a practice, you know, to either pray or meditate or do something or seek therapy or seek help until I found what what did I not learn? You know what what was the value in that mistake? So a mis- so the, you know the people that make most the most mistakes are the most successful people on earth. You know taking Rory McIlroy once again, that guy has made more bad shots than I have. 
You know, he practices, 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 practices. And in that practice area is where he makes his mistakes, and then he plays the game. If he makes a mistake in his game, he goes back and practices and practices and practices. So the mistake that schools make is that they punish young kids for making mistakes. So as an adult, if you feel you've, you, know, you failed, you didn't, you're not as successful as you want to be, or you said something you shouldn't have said, then that mistake turns into regret. And when it's regret, that kills a soul. So, you know, get out. Regret should be turned into joy when you find the lesson. Robert, which you've been the writer of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has sold over 25 million copies worldwide, you will be regarded as one of the most respected men in business. Would you see yourself as Rich Dad or a Poor Dad in your own life? Uh, definitely. Well, I'm both. We're all multiple characters. But like I said, we all have our own personal internal battles. And I battle the poor person inside of me. So, But I, I would say definitely my rich dad, because my rich dad was a teacher. My poor dad was also a teacher. So um, I teach what my rich dad taught me. Why do you think studying at university can be a risky investment? Well, if you learn nothing. You know, uh, I hate to say this, but I don't use anything I learned. I went to a very, very good military school. And it was good if I stayed in the military, but, you know, I don't kill people anymore. So it's not worth anything. But if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, dentist, university is a very good idea. But if you go to school and, like, a lot of kids are coming out, young people are coming out where unemployment is so high, they've really learned no relevant skills for the real world. So if you have learned nothing that advances you in the real world and all you're left with is debt, then I don't know that education was worthwhile. So my education was worthwhile because I went, you know, and I flew and I did all that for the military and I came out, but I don't use what I learned then, now. So I'm not a pilot anymore. What would you advise parents to do to help their children say, like, to develop a more entrepreneurial and investment mindset, Robert? That's a tough one because, uh, first of all, every child is an entrepreneur. Like, right up the street from me, my neighbor has these two young kids, and every Saturday they're out there selling lemonade to joggers, you know, people running by them. So every child can be an entrepreneur. I think they've really got to learn the vocabulary of money. See, money has its own language. Like, you know, I don't, I'm Japanese-American, but I don't speak Japanese, so I can't really get along in Japan. If you're going to survive in the real world, you've got to learn the language of money. And money has a different vocabulary. And if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or played my cash flow game, I focus on the six basic words of money and the six basic language of money, and this is where it starts from, is income, expense, asset, liability, and cash flow. So every person on earth is struggling with their cash flow. You know, is you know how much cash is flowing in, how much cash is flowing out, how much cash is going to debt, how much cash is going to assets that produce money. 
And that's the battle. But most people, the biggest mistake they make is they call their liabilities assets, like they call their house an asset when it's really a liability. And the money is just flowing out, so they buy a bigger house, the money keeps flying out. Then they buy a new car and more money flows out, so they've lost control of cash flow. So the six basic words of money are income, expense, asset, liability, cash flow. And from there you go into discounted cash flows, internal rates of return, you go into the three types of money, which is ordinary portfolio and passive income. And so when I go into the world of money, I can speak the world of money. The average person, like my poor dad, cannot speak the word of the language of money. Why do you think people work in unfulfilling jobs, Robert? Well, most people, well, lesson number one in rich dad, poor dad, most people miss it. Lesson number one in rich dad, poor dad is the rich, rich don't work for money. Most people miss that one. It's chapter one, lesson one. But they go to, they work at unfilling jobs because they're doing what their parents told them to do or the teacher told them to do is go to school and get a job. And that's why they said they said an unfulfilling job. Well, they're successful. They got a job. And it's that person's job then to turn that job into something meaningful. For example, this is what I say to people. There's three positions in life. You can have a job which is you just do it to make money. You can have a career because you want to climb the corporate ladder, or you can have a calling. You know, calling is God saying this is your work. So most people just go to school and get a job, and if I work for a corporation, like let's say Apple Computers, I want to climb the corporate ladder, that might be a career. But it may not be your calling. It's not, it's not what God wants you to do. So if you have a job, then the most important thing for you to do is then figure out how your job is connected to your calling. How does it have meaning to your life? So let me just say another thing is that you could be a school teacher, and let's say there's three school teachers. One would say it's a job, one would say it's a career, and one teacher would say it's a calling. And we've all in school had school teachers where they just did it for the job. They just wanted to make the paycheck. And we've had school teachers where it was their career. They someday wanted to be a school principal or head of the schools. And we've had teachers who it was a spiritual calling. So the person who thinks it's just a job, they've got to find out how their work has more meaning to their spirit. Because it's not the job. That's what I'm trying to say. It has nothing to do with the job. It's whether the job is a job, a career, or a calling. I'm a teacher, and I, I find my work a calling. I love what I do. I make millions at it. And what would you advise people who are stuck in these jobs to do in regards to making changes or than, than just actually thinking about them, Robert? Well, I would sit down and say, you know, what do I dislike about the job? So let's say I'm a teacher, and I say, I don't like the kids. Then I, I draw an arrow, and I say, well, why is teaching kids important? And then I go, if that doesn't make it fulfilling, then I keep going. I just keep going until I find out how teaching kids fulfills your spirits. Spirit. Again, it has nothing to do with the job. It has to do with you. <laughs> and when you find meaning in, you know, like teaching kids, which is a tough job, you know, when you find your spirit, how your spirit and the kids and you interact, then you know, and like, why are we so conditioned to get a secure job? 
is there a way to change that conditioning when we have it? Well, it starts with, you know, the, the old, the, the mantra, the dogma, go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, uh, buy a house, get out of debt, and invest for the long term in the stock market. Wherever I go throughout the world, they all say the same thing because that's the mantra. It's the mantra of the, second, of, of the middle class. Change it, change the mantra. Like when I was nine years old, you know, I raised my hand. I went to school in Hawaii. I raised my hand and I asked the teacher, I said, when will I learn about money? And the teacher says, we don't teach you about money in school because the love of money is the root of all evil. And I said, maybe I should just drop out of school now. <laughs> <laughs> so I went off and learned about money. And that's when I met my rich dad. And one of the reasons I've only had a job for four years is because I know about money. How can a person change their mindset, say, around that, like, if they have the mindset of an employee, Robert? Well, that's a tough question. First, you have to want to change. Uh, just yesterday, one of the women that worked for us came to our office meeting. She was all upset. And she says, my husband just lost his job. Now, he's 54 years old. He makes $150,000 a year. And he's now realizing he's probably not going to get another job because he's too old. You see, back in the old days, industrial age, the older you got, the more valuable you got. In the information age, the older you get, the less value you become because your brain gets older, you can't adapt to new ideas quicker. So when people realize they're probably going to lose their job anyway, sometime in the future, they may as well become an entrepreneur now. Or start increasing your, your, your uh, financial vocabulary, income expense, assets, liability, cash flow. You know, play the cash flow game. That's what it teaches. And so that's why I created the Rich Dad, the cash flow game, and the uh, book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all my other books. is for people who want to think differently and not be an employee working for money and paying a lot of taxes. I, I played the game myself, actually. It's a fantastic game. Thank you very much. And if you teach it, you know, when you, you, know, t- you know, there's a little saying that give and you shall receive. Well, the more you teach, the more you learn. So the game has changed many people's lives. The cash flow game has. And cash flow, what makes it different was my, it's the only game that teaches you how to use debt to get rich. Most people, debt makes them poor. So uh, I use mostly debt to get rich. I borrow money. And, and the average person should not borrow money. But financial education allows me to use my banker's money to get rich. That's why I love my banker. How important do you think is our subconscious in determining the financial abundance we experience in our lives? I think that's probably the most important question you've asked me so far. But it's also the toughest question. You know, why would somebody consciously choose to be poor? I don't know. Why would somebody consciously choose to work at a job they hate? You know, only only they and God can answer that question. <laughs> you know, I yeah. I I've had a couple of jobs. I, I'm glad I had them. I learned a lot, but I don't want to do them every day. Is there a way to change the subconscious mind, or is that like a million dollar question? Yeah, that's that's I I found ways. You know, like when I came back from Vietnam, again I was a pilot out there, and I was very disappointed. I was sad. You know. Why did we kill so many people? For what? And so I went through three different schools, I mean classes. My poor dad wanted me to get my master's degree in business. So 
1973, I, I joined the MBA master's of business program. And then I took my rich dad said, take real estate courses because real estate is really about debt and taxes. You have to use real estate. You learn to use your banker's money to get rich and the government gives you tax breaks when you use debt. That's all over the world. So I make more money and pay less taxes if I use real estate. And the third class was what's called personal development class. You know, so for some people, their personal development class is to go to church and all this stuff. But you've got to be careful what church you go to because when I was a kid, I was raised Christian. There were some teachers, that, some preachers that always said the love of money is the root of all evil. And so some churches actually taught you that if you wanted to be rich, you were guilty, you were a sinner. So I just found a church that taught a different dogma, different philosophy. So spirituality is the way I change the most. Personal development, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical are, the, to me, the most important ways to change. And Robert, I'd say if a person has a scarcity mindset, do you think it's possible to change it? And do you ever experience a limiting or negative thoughts about situations? Negative thoughts? Negative thoughts, yeah, about situations or all the time. Great. All the time. That's why I said the real battle has nothing to do with outside of you. The real battle's inside of you. You know, it's like like right now I'm gonna give it. You know, I'm going. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You know, because it's hard and all that. Or like. I think I'll go exercise and, you know, the fat boy in me says, nah, don't exercise, take it easy today. The battle is only inside ourselves. So you have a rich person inside of you, you have a poor person inside of you. And in between the two is a middle class person who wants job security. <laughs> <laughs> so we all have that battle. And how do you change in your own life, Robert?
one written by a young man in his 20s. And they're fantastic books because you know, a lot of people say, well, if I get rich, then I'll be happy. That's not the way it works. Is when you're happy, then you get rich. So everybody has everything backwards. So every morning, my wife and I get up and we practice Miracle Morning and we read from the happiness advantage. Because if you're happy, the rest of the world's, the rest of the day is easy. And we do it before we go to work. Do you think buying a house with a mortgage for the next 20 or 30 years is a good idea? Well, it depends what you buy it for. You know, a house is different than rental property. So my, you know, my wife and I have four houses and they're, they're spiritual. We love them. But we also have 8,000 rental properties and they're to make money with. So it's, what's the purpose, you know? Everybody needs a house, but you don't have to buy it. You can rent it from me. <laughs> <laughs> And why do you say the cash is trash, Robert? Well, just look at what's happening with uh, the euro, the pound, the dollar, the yen, and the yuan. You know, yuan, the Chinese just devalued their money, which makes their cash trash. The U.S. government is printing trillions of dollars. The EU is printing trillions of euro. And the Bank of England is printing. So why would you save it? Why would you work for it? You know, they're just making more of it. They make more of it than faster than you can you can work for it. That's why I borrow it. And why don't you advise to invest in the stock market then? Well, the stock market number one is rigged, as you know, terrible, uh, with high frequency trading and uh, computer trading, and these things called dark pools is where the banks actually trade against you. So you give the bank your money, and the bank then trades against you. That's criminal. The other thing I don't like about the stock market is it was smart to stay, you know, in America they always say invest for the long term in the stock market. Well, that was good advice in 1970, but in 2015 it's bad advice because the market is at all-time highs, over 18,000. So the question you have to ask yourself, is the stock market going to keep going up or are the odds that the stock market will now come down because all markets go up and all markets come down? So when a stock market like the Dow is at an all-time high, it's really stupid to invest for the long term, but the odds are it's probably going to come down. So I got out a while ago. I'm 100% out of the stock market. Just because it's only got one more direction to go, and it's going to go down. It's come up for so long, it can only come down. Now when it comes down, I might get back in. Okay. And like, I know you touched on the quadrant earlier there, Robert, but... Could you go through the value system of people who are on the left-hand side of the quadrant as opposed to the right? Yeah, the cash flow quadrant was something my rich dad, you know, basically it's a cross, you know, one, going, one vertical line, one horizontal line, with an E for employee and S for self-employed, small business, specialist like a doctor, lawyer, or a star like a football star on the left side. And on the right side are B for big business, 500 employees or more, and I for professional investors. Most people are not professional investors, they're passive investors. So left hand is employee and small business and self-employed, and B is big business and 
enrich that education is for people who want to go on to the B and the I side. If you want to be on the E and the S side, then you go to school. That's what they train people for. Could someone, Robert, say on a low income or even a welfare benefit, get started with investing or business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody, very few people, you know, are born like uh, the king of England. You know, most people are born poor. <laughs> the trouble is that you don't want to stay poor. So that's why my rich dad taught me playing Monopoly. You know, we play Monopoly by hour, by the hours. And so we all know the formula for great wealth on Monopoly is called four green houses, one red hotel. So when I was nine years old, my rich dad was start playing, you know, and then he, he started showing me his little green houses that, you know, he had little rental properties. And then when I was then when I was 19, 10 years later, he bought a big red hotel smack dab in Waikiki Beach in Hawaii. And so between nine and 19, I saw my rich dad go from a poor man to a rich man. And then in my brain, which is where, like I said, that's where the battle begins, is inside your brain. I said, I'm going to do the same thing. So today, my wife and I own, I think, 8,000 small greenhouses and three big hotels. We just still play Monopoly and golf courses. Going back to, say, the average person then, Robert, like, what concrete action steps could they take to make even something small happen to their own lives in regard to investing and in, in getting involved in business? Well, like I said, the battle's inside of you. Inside of you is a poor person, middle-class person, and a rich person. And you have to choose which one you want to run your life. And it's not an easy decision. So if you're poor and out of money and all that, then, you know, I would start reading, you know, I read a lot of books on the subject, think and grow rich, and as a man thinketh, realizing that the power was inside my brain. And once you can realize that, you can take, take control. But if you think the power is outside of you, you have no control. So I think where it starts is to realize you do have the power. You have a body, you have a brain, you have a spirit, and you have your emotions. You know, So I use, I use all four of them. <laughs> but if you want to, you can do it. Is it possible to reach the so-called financial freedom, Robert? I've reached it, and you know that's a that's a very misused word. Let me tell you where financial freedom, what it means to me. Okay, it doesn't mean a lot of money, and I have a lot of money. It means again, I'm not religious, but I used, when I was in Sunday school, I I read about how Christ sat on this rock, has given one loaf of bread, and just fed thousands of people. And to me, that's the power to manifest. You know, it's, it's actually the power of God. So when a person goes out and plants a garden, you know, they're, they're producing. So, so since money is printed, you know, it's, it's just debt. They, I mean, they don't even have to print it. It's just electronic today. So I said about this, can I just, like God, manifest money? So when I started the Rich Dad Company with my wife, Kim, we didn't have any. We had the money. But we borrowed the money from investors. We paid the investors back. The business now makes millions of dollars. We invest the money with banks' money to buy real estate, oil wells, golf courses, and all that. So the power to manifest money is really what financial freedom is. So if you took all my money away, I would just go and create some more of it. 
That's what financial freedom is, is to tap into the power to manifest money that is inside you and me and all of us. It's the manifestation, the creation of money. It is the creation of wealth. And we all have that power, except when we go to school or church or families, a lot of times that power is beaten out of us. Oh, you know, the rich are evil, the rich are crooked. That's true, some are. You know, if you, if, you, if you love money, you won't go to heaven. And so I don't know if that's true or not. But the individual's got to true, choose their own religion or dogma or belief systems. So I saw my rich dad, who had nothing, just manifest millions of dollars out of his head. And I said, God, I want to do the same thing. So I never need money. If, if I'm out of money, I just go make. I just go do something and make more. That's what financial freedom means. What are the characteristics you value in a person that wants to create a successful business? That's a very good question. Uh, when people say, "What's the most important thing?" is, is the uh, it's your business associates, the people around you. Let me say it this way: We all have money problems, rich or poor, middle class. We all have money problems. The difference is how we solve those problems. So my poor dad, being a PhD, a college professor, you know, he solved the problems on his own because that's what they teach you to do in school, that you take your tests on your own. Whereas my rich dad, when I saw him solve his money problems, he sat with his accountants, his attorneys, his real estate guys, his business managers, his banker, and stuff like this. And so he would say, this is my problem. And it all help them solve it. But if you did that in school, that's called cheating, asking for help. You see, in school, asking for help is called cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So as a nine-year-old boy, I realized one of the biggest objectives, one of the primary objectives of my life was to put together my team of advisors. You know, business is a team sport, rugby is a team sport, golf is an individual sport. So if you saw my golf game, you'd know why I'm a rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> so I put together, and I make sure I have the best team around me. We play by a code of honor. We show ourselves, we show our financials. So there's, no, there's transparency among our team, and it's trust, integrity, and you have to be a rich guy to hang around me. That's our team. And from there, we keep ourselves in check, in balance, and all this. Because if somebody, let's say, cheats on their wife, we go and tell the wife. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that's, that's our team. That's what I learned in the military. Your team is everything. Your word is your bond. Yeah. You say you're going to do something, you better do it. How important do you think emotional intelligence is for both life and business, Robert? It's extremely important. I think emotional intelligence is more is stronger than mental intelligence. You know, like, you know, if somebody is depressed, it's very, very hard. You know, I don't care how smart you are if you're depressed. For example, my poor dad, you know, he went to Stanford, University of Chicago, and Northwestern, very smart guy. But when he lost his job at around 50 years of age, he was so depressed he couldn't recover because he emotionally dragged him down. So, um, you know, it's, it's like if somebody breaks your heart or you lose somebody you love, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, it's heavy. 
So that's why I say spirituality is important because that spirituality is the power to pull you out of sadness and go into happiness. That's why I recommend those books, Happiness Advantage and The Miracle Morning, because we practice it almost every morning. Because happiness is what gets us through the day. Who would you regard as being the most successful businessman in the world and, and why? <laughs> Besides yourself. Uh, that depends on how you define successful. You know, I mean, my friend is Donald Trump, and right now he's running for office, and right now he seems to be winning. But it's also, you know, really upsetting a lot of my uh, Mexican friends. He's upset a lot of war veterans. I'm a war veteran. You know, when he said McCain's not a John McCain, Senator McCain's not a war hero. He was shot down and captured. Well, I, I went down three times in Vietnam. I don't consider myself a war hero. But Trump never went down in Vietnam. <laughs> so he's successful financially. I don't know if right now he's he's, he's taking a I don't he's, he's taking a big toll to say what he's saying. And you know, a lot of times people are successful, but they have unhappy financially, have unhappy marriages or screwed up kids. So how do you define it? That's the problem. You know, people say that money doesn't make you happy, and I do agree with that. It's how you make your money that makes you happy or not happy. You know, if I'm, I'm a drug dealer or a pimp and prostituting young girls, it might be fun, but I wouldn't be happy spiritually. And the other thing that it's not money that makes you happy, it's a lot of time it's the lack of money that makes you unhappy. If you can't pay your bills, you can't send your kids to the best schools and all that, that's unhappiness. So money may not make you happy, but it sure can make you unhappy if you don't have it. <laughs> Robert, would you have any business or marketing advice for starting a business, say, in Cork in Ireland? I always recommend, well, let me give it a step back. You know, this, I, this guy came and knocked on my door yesterday, and he wanted to do something, and I said, have you read any business books? He goes, no, I just need some money. So he became an entrepreneur just to make money, and I don't think he'll have it much longer. So what I, whether, I don't care where you live, I would read books, simple books even, you know, about people you want to be like. Like, I really liked Henry Ford, so I read about how he did it. I like Steve Jobs, so I read about Steve Jobs. And I like Richard Branson, so I read Branson's books. I like Donald Trump, so I started reading his books and later became his business partner. But I want to know how the rich really think more before making money. So before you start your business, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rich preachers in America. If you want to be a preacher and get rich, read about this guy, Joel Olstein. You know, he's really in it. So it's the 90-10 rule again, and if you want to be rich, I start reading the 10%, not the 90%. The 10% that are hitting it out of the park. Like if I wanted to be a professional golfer, I'd watch Rory McIlroy. I wouldn't watch me. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take lessons. Be careful who your teacher is. If I'm your teacher, you probably commit suicide on the golf course. <laughs> and I, I know you mentioned Henry Ford there, but interesting enough, his father is from Cork. What was that? He is from Cork. Yeah, his father is from Cork originally. Really? He, and yeah, and his dad moved to the States back maybe 100 or 150 years ago. Yeah. 
I was just in South Africa two weeks ago, and my friend is also a Ford. I don't, I'm one of them from Ireland. Ford would be an Irish name. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. You know, in regards to Ireland then, Robert, what would you see as one of the best businesses to set up in Ireland at the moment? Well, let me just say this much. You know, your cell phone, iPhone, whatever, the Samsung, that now connects you to the world, so it doesn't make a difference where you live. You can do business anywhere. That's the magic of technology today. So it really makes no difference to where you live, but it does make a difference what's inside your head. So that's why if you work on your head, your mind, your body, your spirit, your emotions, it doesn't, you can live anywhere and do what you want to do. There's, I mean, the biggest hackers in the world are coming from Russia. <laughs> They're making millions and they still live in Russia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your opinion on Europe and particularly the Greece situation at the moment? Well, I, I wrote about that. My latest book is called A Second Chance. And really what I am, the reason I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad is I'm a study of this global economic crisis. I saw this crisis coming back in 1983. And I call it a cash heist. Is how the ultra-rich, like the guys who run Goldman Sachs or the Rothschilds, steal our wealth through our European crisis, and you look at the look at the central bank now, or the Bank of England, is not run by an Englishman anymore. It's run by an employee of Goldman Sachs, and the U.S. Fed was run by a Goldman Sachs guy. So this whole thing to me is a cash heist. On the other side of the coin, I think it's a great idea because I'm I'm getting richer because I don't have a job, I don't work for money, I don't save money, I'm not in the stock market. But I use my banker's money. So I love I love Goldman Sachs. They give me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and because I use Goldman Sachs, the government gives me a tax break. Just think of that for a while. How did you know that there would be an economic downturn, like say, before it happened? I'm 
pulling out of the stock market. I'm just waiting for the comeback crashing down again. Then I'll go back in. So it doesn't. That's what financial education is too. Is you know you don't have to sit there and get wiped out because you just because you're, in America our financial planners always say invest for the long term. I'm going well. Why would I invest for the long term? Number when the idiots are getting in and markets that are at all time high and this is the odds are is going to come down, not go up. This is common sense. So I called my broker end of May, I think, and I said, just pull my money out of the stock market entirely. And I'm just waiting for it to crash now. I'll go back in. Do you think now is a good time to invest in property in Ireland? I, I don't know. Uh, let me give you a rule on, on property. Uh, when I first started investing, I started in Hawaii, which is very, 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 very expensive real estate. Uh, my rich dad says never invest in property more than an hour away from you when you're just starting out. And the reason for that is property is management intensive. So if something goes wrong, you want to be able to get to it in less than an hour. So Ireland's a little bit further away than an hour. Small <laughs> bit. So you can invest in the stock market as far away as you want because it's electronic. But property is hands-on management, so that's why when you're first starting out, keep it within an hour of you. On top of that, you must know the economic conditions. You know, and I don't know the economic conditions in Ireland. You know, in one hour away. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know it. And with real estate, it's not as efficient as the stock market. What I mean by efficient is. Stock market gives you a lot of information electronically. Most of real estate, you don't know the information, so you got to go dig for it. You do your own market research. So when I go into a town to look to buy real estate, I want to find out who's selling, who's buying, what's what businesses are there, what businesses are, are leaving. You know, I just bought some property about two hours away from me in Arizona, and I can see the town dying. You know, the stores are closing and all this. So I know there's an opportunity coming, but it hasn't hit bottom yet. So I just watch it for maybe a year or two. Do you think we are now living in a new economy? And if so, like, are your principles still applicable, Robert? Uh, I would definitely say we're living in a different economy because, as I said, when I was starting out as an entrepreneur, I didn't have the cell phone. So when I was sourcing products in Hong Kong to ship to New York, I had to go to Hong Kong and I had to go to New York. Now I can go via cell phone to Hong Kong and New York. So it's a, it's a lot easier to do business. Somebody approached me recently about multi-level network marketing, Robert. What do you think of these types of businesses and like, is there any criteria in regards to selecting one which works? Ireland imports products from the U.S., Hong Kong, Korea, the EU. More money leaves Ireland, but so do jobs. So that's the problem with global trade, and you're not going to stop that. So I'll say it again. When you buy products from, let's say, Taiwan or Korea or Germany, not only does money leave Ireland, but so do jobs. That's going to accelerate. So that's why network marketing makes sense because network marketing allows you to do 
thing that Donald Trump and I both recommend network marketing because you learn people skills. The hardest thing about business is people. So in network marketing, you learn to control yourself and deal with other people. And that takes time. You know, it takes practice. So we always recommend taking about five years of network marketing to improve your people skills. If you can improve your people skills, your life is better. So that's why we recommend it. You can do business around the world, and you can also improve your people skills. Who do you regard as the most inspiring person in the world, and why? There's been a void of inspiring people. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I think was really inspiring was Nelson Mandela. Mm. You know, when he came out of prison after how many years, he wasn't bitter. He united. He united Africa, and had the Springboks take the World Cup. So I thought that was fantastic. So he took a, ri a rich man's sport, rugby, although you know, soccer is kind of a poor man's sport, but he took rugby, which is not really the, the African, the black African sport, and he used that to unite the world. And I thought that was a really courageous move. So anyway, Mandela is my hero. He'd be one of my heroes as well, to be honest. He's a fantastic, he was a fantastic yeah. man. I, I'd like to be like him, you know, that to be that happy and that if somebody locked me in jail for 30 something years, I'd kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you had a choice to be rich or unhappy, Robert, or happy and poor. Like, which one would you choose? Well, I'm always asked that question. I, I always choose to be rich and happy. You know, why would I, why would I want to choose when you can have both? Be rich and happy. That's why I'll, I'll plug the books again. They're not my books. It's called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor, A-C-H-O-R, and The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, E-L-R-O-D. Those books make me very happy. And the happier you are, the more successful you become. I know you mentioned earlier about spirituality. Are you spiritual yourself, Robert? Well, like I said, if you are religious, then make sure you choose the preacher or the that wants you to be rich because the, the, I was, my mother was a Methodist. My father didn't go to church. But my mother all went to this Methodist church and this guy was hellfire and brimstone so the love of money was the root of all evil. And you know, I got sick sitting there. He says, you know, if you're thinking about money, you're going to go to hell. I said, I better get out of this church. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to find a preacher. My mother says, okay, as long as I went to church. So I found a preacher who spoke about how, you know, he, he talked about how, uh, what's it called, the, the, the servant with the, the master with three servants and the talents and all that. And uh, one servant gave his servants all some money and one servant did nothing with it. One, one servant buried it and one servant multiplied it. And to the servant that multiplied it, the master gave all the money too. And the lesson is, God rewards the people that multiplies money. So I like that church better than the other church. But as far as being spiritual, though, I, I, I've been too lucky to um, know, and there, I can't prove it, but there is some hysterical, mysterious spirit guiding all of us, the trees, the earth, the water, the birds, the solar system, the sun, the moon. There is some power guiding all of us, and I believe in that. 
Robert, like, when and how did your life go from just living from day to day to living a life of purpose and passion? I had fun both ways. You know, I think living a life of purpose and passion was actually harder because I couldn't quit. I could always quit on the other side. But once I knew what I was supposed to do, I'd hate myself if I quit. Does that make sense to you? Totally, yeah. People ask me, why do you keep working? You have enough money. Because my job's not done yet. You asked me a very good question. Could I change my poor dad? And I still, there's a lot of poor dads out there. So I keep working. Sometimes I wish I could just quit and play golf like my friends have. <laughs> I, I do too. <laughs> if any of our listeners are really say, you know, struggling financially, Robert, and is affecting their mental and physical health, what would you say to them? Again, I would say, you know, like the book, The Miracle Morning, really helped me a lot. Um, I just got it a year ago. And uh, what the Miracle Morning does, it really packaged what, it's, what I call ancient wisdom. And uh, if you practice it every morning diligently for 60 days, I think you'll find your life changing. So, um, you know, what happens for people is, I live in Arizona today, and we have a thing called the Grand Canyon. And the Grand Canyon is this river that has gone through from Canada all the way through the United States. And in Arizona, it's very, very deep, but the headwaters, the spring, is way up north someplace. And oftentimes what happens in our lives, we get caught way down in the canyons, you know, of life. So we look up and we're, where our problems are so big and immense. So what this guy, Miracle Morning, has done, plus happiness advantage, Go back to the headwaters, the source of your life, the spring of your life, the spirit of your life, and you reconnect with your spirit every morning. And then you don't have to climb out of the walls of the canyon so far. You can take new directions in life. But to keep, you know, the definition, definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing. So rather than do that every morning, my wife and I practice Miracle Morning. We take new directions in life. Go back to the headwaters, the spring, spring of life. And finally, Robert, if anybody wants to find out more about your work, like how could they do it? Well, we have uh, at richdad.com, and I just, like I said, my latest book is called A Second Chance. came out in January of this year, but I also produced my first kind of documentary. It's a book, it's a, it's a video called The Man Who Could See the Future. 60 minutes long, and for those who want to better understand this economic crisis, the man who can see the future again for 60 minutes, you can watch it, and you'll have a better understanding of what causes this financial crisis, and where it's going, and what you can do. So again, it's the man who can see the future is this video, maybe then you'll buy the book Second Chance, but if you don't, anyway, you'll watch the video. And you can stop and start the video so that you can discuss it with your friends and family so you can better understand how we got into this financial mess and what you can do about it. So that's at richdad.com. It's free. It's free. That's great. Richdad.com. The man who can see the future. 60-minute video. Thanks so much for your time today, Robert. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for the time. No problem. Thank you. And look, we might see you in Ireland sometime in the future, maybe. I love it. Cork, so I like to go see it myself. It's very beautiful, and at this time of the year, it's gorgeous. I'm sure it is. 
Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Bye-bye.